laugh. Hey, Kurt, this is Richard Wilson from Mad Shelley Films, and we have a message for you. This, this is, is Mad Shelley Films, and, and you're listening to Inspirado Projecto Radio. Welcome to another exciting episode of Inspirado Projecto. As many of you know, I like to go down the rabbit hole, uh, the fringe theories, explorations of the unexpected and unknown. These things fascinate me. Mind control, MK Ultra, Area 51, all that stuff. All that stuff that another mindset out there might consider crazy. Uh, are there gourd? But you know, we've all got our own interests, don't we? We all got our interests. Some of us are deep into politics. Some of us are deep into magic. Some of us are deep into creating furniture. You know, everyone's got their thing that they like. Some like collecting G.I. Joes. Some like sculpting. I mean, it's... The list goes on and on. Is anyone's obsession any better than anyone else's? It's just a, it's a personal thing, personal preference. It's a, it's a movement in a certain direction that entices. Uh, so we're going to hear something right now, something I saw online. About this woman named Erin Valenti. It was seemed intriguing, so I want to play this little thing for you. And hang tight. Because there's more stuff. Thank you for listening. In early October of 2019, a young CEO by the name of Aaron Valenti was on a business trip from Utah to California. The 33-year-old was to participate in a 3D workshop and tech conference with other businessmen and women. Her company, Tinker Ventures, had previously endorsed brain-machine interface technology that dealt with machine learning and neuroscience. After frantically calling her parents, exclaiming, It's all a game. It's a thought experiment. We're in the Matrix. Valenti misses her flight home and is found dead a few days later, leaving behind a very strange mystery. What happened to Aaron Valenti? Here's your fun fact. David Lynch was offered the chance to direct Fast Times at Ridgemont High in 1982, but he turned it down, saying that the script was funny, but it just wasn't his thing. Stay tuned to Inspirato Projecto for more fun facts. Hey, Inspirato, it's man. I uh, just wanted to respond to your question about games. Uh, I've been playing a lot of different games from SimCity 1987 on the Commodore 64. Also recently started playing SimCity uh, 1989 on the Mac OS 9 operating system. Uh, been playing um, Ghouls and Ghosts, um, the sequel to Ghosts and Goblins. Um, been playing Pac-Man a lot lately. 
um, Asteroids, Galaga, um, a lot of strategy games, chess. What games are you playing during COVID-19? Anything in the 1980s games categories? See you later. behind the machine ghosts and goblins and ghouls and ghosts oh my god i remember seeing those at the arcade game at galaxy world <clears throat> they call it galilean's north off of gary avenue in carroll stream illinois galaxy world they used to have that ghouls and ghosts and ghosts and goblins um and all those other games you're talking about i haven't played any old games lately but now you're really starting to like like now I feel like I gotta wet, wet my whistle in playing some of those. I've played um, on Steam, um, Emily Morganti, who's uh, public relations for a lot of various, um, she does PR for a lot of these various video game companies. She has sent me, and I review them on my podcast. These are some of the games. Lamplight City, Mage's Initiation, I, st- I I've gotten to a certain point in that, and I, I just got frustrated. Guard duty, same thing with that. There was a certain puzzle that I had to f- figure out. Um, I'm stuck in those. I, I am thinking about going back and play Thimbleweed Park. To be honest with you, I've been so just just busy working with Wisefinger Lab stuff. Um, I've been having so much fun creating stuff, and then Samantha Light, she 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 designs it. She messes around with my designs. She plays around with them, and then she's uh, puts them in into the lab. Here's something that's really exciting: Thimbleweed Park. The guys who did Thimbleweed Park. That's what actually broke the whole the the dam of this whole thing. Um, oh, and Dust. What was it? Is that what it was? Dust. Luna. I recently played that, and I beat that. Um, got to the end of that. Dolores, a Thimbleweed Park adventure. That was done by, um, David Fox. What is his name? David Fox. He's one of the guys who helped out with Zach McCracken and all those, um, yeah, David Fox. Couldn't seem to get that that game plan, but I love the fact that he's you know he's one of the designers of Thimbleweed Park, and he decided you know what we I've got all this information in my computer I've got all this stuff that I've used to make to help make Thimbleweed Park I'm gonna make a side adventure I love that this stuff just shows us what is possible what happens when you don't when you don't have some huge corporation overlooking what you're doing, going, don't you dare do that, or don't you dare do this, or, oh, you gotta ask all this permission of all these people. I mean, when you're the creator, you just move forward, baby. You move forward. Wow. Grumpy Gamer, what is his name, what's his name? Uh, he's one of the other Thimbleweed Park guys. Gary Winnick, wait, Gary, no. Well, he Gary Winnick is one of the other Thimbleweed Park guys. David Fox, Gary Winnick, The other guy, he helped build uh, Monkey Island. His name is... Oh my gosh, it's going to pop up at any time. 
at any time. These are found on Steam, by the way, if you go to steampowered.com. I just love it. Dolores, that's just so fun. Uh, so, Ron Gilbert. Ron Gilbert, Gary Winnick. They helped put together Monkey Island in Maniac Mansion. David Fox. It's interesting. They put down here key features. They put from Ron Gilbert and Gary Winnick, creators from Monkey Island, Maniac Mansion. Why don't they put from creator David Fox, you know, creator Fox, and, and, and David Fox, the guy who put together Zack McCracken. Because these are all, these were all uh, Lucasfilm, LucasArts games that were played on the Commodore 64. Thimbleweed Park, the cool thing was these guys were, um, they were sponsors for 2018 Kapow Intergalactic Film Festival, which by the way, we're still receiving, if you go to Kapow, if you're a filmmaker, screenwriter, go to kapowiff.com and check that out, please. We are still accepting submissions. So I had Thimbleweed Park. They were a sponsor. In one year, they, they gave nine copies of Thimbleweed Park away. So there were nine lucky award winners um, who also happened to get prizes. Just so cool. Just so cool. So I hope that answers your question. I was just talking with my buddy, Jack Bristow, who actually sent me some Mad Magazines. Oh my God, I just love it. I love it. He also sent me a Silver Surfer. That showed up out of nowhere. I couldn't, I could. I was like, who the heck sent this? Big mystery. And uh, found out that was Jack Bristow as well, my fellow. But he's... It's cool when you share a common appreciation for something with someone and they see that and they go, here you go. So I sent him a Wisefinger coffee mug. He's going to do an unboxing, a very special unboxing. I can't wait to see it. So I sent him a coffee mug as a thank you for the Mad Magazines. He and I were talking about Super Mario Brothers 2 and 3. How too, it was so funny how Super Mario himself, he was, just, he was just an average character in all respects. But then he'd get Toadstool. I loved using that guy. He was so fast. He was short. He was fast. Like when it goes to, um, you know when, you, when you, you eat that certain thing and then it inverts, everything inverts, and you're like in a shadow realm of sorts? I think that's what it was. You throw something on the ground and it opens up a secret door, right? Then you go in there and it's like a shadow world and you can, you can pull up the, uh, the turnips. You yank up the turnips from the ground and they turn up into coins. They turn up into coins. That's great. The turnips turn up into coins. And Toadstool, I was, I, I love that. Loved using that little guy. But then Princess, uh, wait, Princess? Wait, she wasn't Princess, wait, Princess what? Peach? She glides. I liked using her and Toadstool because she glides like really far. You can jump really far with her. And then Luigi jumps really high, really high, but um, like really high. So, so that he was a tricky, tricky one. So I pretty much used Toadstool and uh, Princess Peach. 
goes for two. Mario Brothers 2, yeah. And then three was great, because then you could turn into a squirrel. I love that. You fly around as a squirrel. I think you could be a, one of those turtles with the hammers, too. Hammers? Hammer Brothers? Is that what they're called? The hammer guys. Hammer time! I, I always like that morphing aspect. Kitty kitty. Don't go out here. Beautiful day out here, isn't it? Beautiful day. So that's cool. You're you're playing all those games, man. That is so cool. Those old games are a lot of fun. I mean, I I, I love video games so much that I try to play them as little as possible. Does that make sense? It's like. I love pumpkin pie so much that if you gave me five pumpkin pies right now, if you gave me one pumpkin pie, I'd eat it immediately. I'd eat it immediately. And if I had another five in the fridge, I'd eat, I'd be eating them constantly. Whenever I was hungry, I'd eat a pumpkin pie. I would never stop. I would never stop. It's like the food, it's like video games to me are like, it's like when you eat that food and it hits the spot. You eat that food and it hits the spot. You're like, ooh, you're like that is so delicious. I could totally go for another bite. Like right now, I'm I'm stuck at a part in Skyrim, which I haven't played in a while. I played Skyrim almost immediately after I was done playing Red Dead Redemption. My friend Dory got me uh, Red Dead Redemption. Two or no, Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The standalone game with all the zombies. And almost right after that, I started playing Skyrim. My buddy Jeremy, Jeremy Polinski, who just introduced me to so much great music, so many great video games. He gave me his his old uh, Xboxes, two of them. And so Skyrim was on there, and I heard good things about it. And I think I go, okay, what the heck? But dude. You never, you never want to stop playing it because the worlds are so beautiful. They're so open and so beautiful. And just the conversations you can have with anybody, anybody, anywhere. You could, you could pick, uh, like, berries and, 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 and twigs and leaves and flowers. You can pick this stuff and then people buy it. And you can make potions out of this stuff. You can find stuff. You can find, like, iron ore somewhere, and then you could go to, like, a blacksmith in a town and use their materials. You can use their materials to make stuff. It's so crazy. It's It gets so intricate, you know? And then this person's like, well, help me find my son. He's been kidnapped by this gang. And then you find out, okay, well, how do I get there? And then you... I mean, it's just, like, it's crazy. So I'm stuck on this one level right now where I'm like at the big boss I'm putting that in the quotes the big boss uh and I just can't seem to beat this guy I'm look, I, you know I, I look online so it's paused there it's paused in this room where I'm supposed to fight beat beat this guy and uh I just haven't gone back in there 
I know it's gonna be one of those things that when I go back in there and I play, I'm probably gonna beat it right away. You guys notice that, those of you who play video games? You ever notice that, like, you might be stuck on a level. This would happen with Grand Theft Auto, which is another one. I just went down a rabbit hole for like six months. The fact that you can be in this open world and go anywhere and drive anywhere and you just go and go and go, drive a motorcycle up a mountain. I mean, it's awesome. You go anywhere, do anything, it's beautiful. Just keep going and going. Then you could play up, uh, you could gamble with it, within it. You could go into like a Vegas uh, casino. You could actually play horse races, cards, one-armed bandits. You could just go and go and go. Now imagine if you got secret codes. Now you can just drive around town with a tank. No problem. And you don't have to cause destruction and mayhem to do it. I love taking airplanes and helicopters for rides. It's such a, it's such a, um, well, it's fun to try to land them. But I also have a lot of fun just jumping out of them. Because I think they give you a parachute, if I'm not mistaken. Just, I love that. It's just so cool. The fact that you could do that stuff, man. Wow. It's so appealing to me. But of course, the idea that you could change your clothes, you could turn in all kinds of different stuff. Surprised they don't have like a uh, superhero costumes in there, like Halloween costumes. That'd be funny. I think they had like a uh, werewolf mask. I think you could put on a werewolf mask. Oh God, what else did they have? Did they have an alien mask? Or am I just wishing that was something they had? It's interesting how you can talk nice to people, talk bad to people. Like, it's it's a way of really living vicariously through a character and getting away with a lot of stuff without the consequences. People say video games are bad. I mean, whatever information you give to a person... Especially a little one. He's just soaking it up, soaking it up. Whatever information we give to those little ones growing up, they're gonna soak it up. Which is which, which is just beautiful. Because then, can, you know, directing them towards the things that are enjoyable and 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 and, 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 and they like and they see the other. The thing about the video games too is that. It challenges your critical thinking. It, it um, enhances your exploratory nature, your imagination. It's it's really crazy. It's amazing. Those Lucas Arts games, the Lucasfilm games, Maniac Mansion, Zach McCracken, Monkey Island. I played later. But those two right there, those two Lucasfilm games, and I always wanted to play the Indiana Jones game because I think, but I think they only made it for the IBM. I had a Commodore 64. I loved it. My brother and I, oh my God, we never stopped playing. We never stopped playing. It was right there in the laundry room. We just never, you know, of course the parents are like, well, why don't you go out and play? And it's like, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm exploring my imagination. 
I'm exploring my imagination. And then since we didn't have the internet, I'd go off to school, Josh would go off to school, and then we'd just be thinking about these all day long. How do we solve this puzzle? How do we solve that puzzle? How do we, and then we come home and I'm like, Josh, I have an idea. And then he's like, Kurt, I have an idea. And we're like, okay, let's try them. Let's test them out. They're so strange, they just might work. And sure enough, that along with Mad Magazine, it really forced me to look beyond what's there and test out the strangest of things. It taught me that you just never know what kind of surprises are going to show up. It's astounding. It's astounding. It's crazy that people post walkthroughs of video games. follow this here, then you do this, then you do that, then you do this. Well, then what's the fun of, like, exploring the territory? I don't know. Who am I? Nobody has to take my side. I'm just... Why am I even venting this out loud? Why is this even something I'm complaining about? Am I complaining? Are you still listening? Why are you listening? Are these thoughts you've had? Do you play your video games? What do you do to entice your imagination? What do you do to excite your, your boundless creativity? Just letting your mind go. Like David Lynch, he'll just sit there and he'll just stare out the window. Do you daydream? Do you, do, do, do you appreciate the benefits of daydreaming? Do you appreciate the, 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 the vibe that you get when you put the needle right in the groove, right in the groove? You get to feel that raw, just raw vibe, raw vibe, raw vibe. Good vibes, good feelings. No analyzing, no analyzing, no criticizing. No judging. No rub-a-dub-dubbing. There it is, just pure, what is it? Put your ear to the track. The natives, the natives would do. They would put their ears to the track. They'd hear the train, and they'd figure out. They know. They know how far away that train was. Oh, that that train is oh, way over in Chattanooga. That'll be here, in, you know. By the time that cloud over there in the sky reaches there in the sky, that's when we'll see the train. <laughs> Imagine that being able to tell the time by the clouds in the sky. And how fast the wind's blowing. My buddy Rob Zimga, Robert Zimga, Lakota. He's from the Lakota tribe. He was telling me how he was helping out. I think he was doing background work on the set of uh, Red State, I think it was. Kevin Smith movie. He was helping out on there. And he ended up telling the AD something like, oh, you know what? We're going to get rain here. It's going to rain pretty hard in like in the next 10 minutes. And then the guy's like, well, the weather report says that there isn't, you know, there isn't going to be any rain. He's like, oh, okay. So they're, they're shooting, they're shooting. All of a sudden the rain comes. Then it goes away. And he goes, and then, uh, and then Robert's looking at the sky and he, he goes over to AD. He's like, look, um, we're going to get some, you know, some more rain clouds coming through. And the guy's like, oh, come on. 
It's like, that's, you know. So anyway, basically, after that second time around, you know, they say third time's a charm. So, but this, sometimes it takes two times before someone goes, oh, this person is tuned into a particular intuition that maybe I want to take heed to. It's like a person who listens to your, 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 your engine and they go, I could tell by the ching, I could tell by those little tiny percussive, those little clinks and clanks, those little things, I could tell where in the, where in the, uh, that's a muffler. That's a muffler issue right there. Oh, that right there. That's in the alternator. Uh Uh-oh, there's something going on with the antifreeze. Yeah, that radiator. So so they hear that stuff. They know about that stuff. I'm going to pay attention to that guy. Now, obviously, people can abuse that power, but if it's a real good, you know, someone who's just, I'm reporting to you what's here, what's going on, here's what's happening. Why not listen to them? So this AD ended up listening to uh, assistant director. This assistant director listened to Robert, and he brings him over to Kevin Smith in the video village, as they call it, the area where they're over there by the monitors and everything. Uh, they got the monitors. They've got the, you know, all the equipment. They got the the, the walkie-talkies there. They got most likely have like a little little shade. They're in like a little shade. And uh, maybe makeup is over there watching back there, seeing how their makeup job is. Uh, the hairstylist, they're over there. The uh, costume costumes, they're over there behind there, behind the monitors, watching. What does it look like on the screen? Because what it looks like on the screen, that's what the that's what the public is going to see. So uh, maybe you got the focus puller over there. You got uh, uh, an editor, onset editor. He's looking through there. You got the continuity per all all these people back there watching what's going on. So Robert is back there, and the AD finally gets hip to the idea that he's got some, you know. He's, he's got, he's got some knowledge here. And, um, so Robert tells Kevin Smith, he's like, you got about two hours here before the rains come in again. And then the AD explains to him what happened. And, uh, he's like, well, how do you know this stuff? And Robert says, well, I studied, you know, from my growing up, I studied the, the behavior of the clouds of weather. I know about all that stuff. And, uh, in other words, Robert, his knowledge supersedes whatever a weatherman is going to tell you. These people are looking at statistics. These people are looking at, uh, uh, um, odds. These people are, are, there's, there's a, a different method. Let's just say that versus someone who is used to having a language, an actual language with this. And that's not to say that there aren't some weathermen out there who who really got their finger on the pulse of what's going on with the weather. So the rest of the day, he kept him right there by his side, letting him know what, what you know, about how much more time he had left of, of daylight before the, the, the next thing came along and when that's going to happen. <laughs> and so basically... Kevin Smith commanded him. He goes, oh my gosh, you saved me like hundreds of thousands of dollars thanks to this. You know, they had to shut down. Robert's like, it's going to rain all day tomorrow. You're going to have to shut down, you know, the set unless you shoot inside. So they listened to him. They call him back and they listened to him. They thanked him for saving them all the, all this money. So it's amazing. It's amazing when...
at your and how does that relate to video games here's how it relates because there's a program there are programs that are running all the time so within video games they are programmed to feel a certain way they are programmed to say a certain thing they're programmed to have a certain behavior all those little people in Grand Theft Auto like I said earlier each all those little all those little creatures have a life, they have a mission, they have an intention, they're going somewhere, they're doing something, why are they there? Someone's over here playing on this, playing gambling over here at this table, someone over there is driving a taxi, someone over here is riding a bike, someone over there is eating a sandwich. This person's sitting on a picnic bench talking to another person. So this person is drunk, stumbling through the streets and crashes into a garbage can. They all got their little thing, their little programs that are running. Non-player characters, they call them. Dolores Cannon calls these the backdrop people. You'll find them in her her book, Convoluted Universe number four. Was that the one? I still got to read the last one. Dolores Cannon, the backdrop people. They're in our lives. They're sort of the non-player characters. They're there to sort of reflect our, our highest... Intentions, basically, as, as is the rest of the world. It's a, it's a personalized reality sequence that is tailor-fit for you, tailor-fit for me. And our Venn diagrams are just crossing paths here. Why? Well, maybe there's something within the words that I'm saying that you resonate with or that you need to hear or something is a reminder that will then kickstart something where you go, oh, that's right, that's right. Speaking of kickstart, I got that motor I got to fix on the motorcycle. Or, oh, you know what? Speaking of kickstart, I got to kickstart that motor on my boat. It's been sitting in the pier all this time. Like, you know, I'll go take it, ar- take it around for a joyride. I'll take it out there, and you know what? I'm going to do some riding, too. I'll take out the pontoon boat, and I'm going to do some riding. It's been a while since I did some riding. Just go out there. There you go. So there's a program running, folks. There's a program. There's a program. The, the interesting thing is figuring out how to program it. They call it neuro-linguistic programming. We've talked about this before. The, uh, the, the book Instant Rapport. Instant Rapport, and I'm going to get his actual name right now for you. Instant Rapport. Instant Rapport. I want to say it's Brooks. Michael Brooks. There we go. Oh, my God. I said his name right in the, in the other podcast. Yeah, Michael Brooks. Instant rapport, that just helps you get a, just get along with someone right off the get-go. Bam, right away, right away, right away. Tactics. It's use, use, using things that we use subconsciously, utilizing um, senses, sensibilities that we do subconsciously, and harnessing it in such a way that it works in our favor. In both of our favors, really. Um, it's no, it's no different than let's say after. Okay, so for instance, let's say chess or checkers. You're really good at playing chess or checkers. And at first, you know, you don't know what you're doing. You're just doing this thing. You're, and and something's just telling you to move in this direction or do that thing. And you're, oh, okay, okay, that's what this thing does. Oh, okay. And then before you know it, there's some sort of foresight. There's some sort of like nuances. There's a gracefulness. There's like when you see someone just starting out playing guitar versus someone who's done it for years and their fingers are just flying, flying. 
they know the techniques. They can now teach you. They can go, okay, this is something that I wish I knew when I was first starting guitar. Here's this chord. Here's that chord. Here's this chord. These chords fit very well together. These chords fit very well together. And this, this chord fits both in this chord progression and that chord progression. How cool is that? You know, and here are commonalities. Here are connections. Here are two chip, two chip, chip, connect the dots. That's what's going on here. Once you start connecting those dots, so instant rapport, it helps you connect the dots. So there are programs going on all over the place. So how do we program certain things? I used to hate pickles. I reprogrammed myself. And I'm not saying I, lo- I'm not saying I love pickles, but Jenny and I had, we had a, uh, some kind of, so- she made the, she heated up these sausages, these vegan sausage creations. And she had relish out there. And I go, yeah, what the heck? I, n- I don't eat pickles. I don't eat relish. I just don't. And I said, I'm going to supersede the programming that I have typically had. I'm going to hack into it. I'm the author of my tastes, of my preferences, of the things I'm naturally drawn towards, and the things that I take chances on. What makes me decide to take, take a chance on something? What makes me decide to not take a chance on something? Is the thing that makes me decide to take a chance on something, is it, uh, you know, a combination of, let's say, for instance, if my dad re- recommended a show, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's a good show. And then I end up reading a review with, with, uh, uh, by one of my favorite authors. He's a guest, uh, let's say they give him a guest review of a movie or uh, an album or something, or a show, you know, show. He's like, oh, I like this show for these reasons. Oh, okay. That's second recommendation. Third recommendation, I might be talking to a friend. He's like, oh, this is, there's just this great show. It's really just got me thinking. Oh, hmm. So now that's, you know, that's like sort of the, that word of mouth. It has to do with how you vouch for that person. It's how you, like, let's say, for instance, I got those friends who are deep into politics. If they're giving me suggestions on certain shows, I kind of, it's like based on the track record and the sensibilities that I've seen them choose in the past certain things, I see that they might be guided by the media. They're guided by, but then who isn't guided by the media in some fashion? There's that great quote that says, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as us. We see the world as you. So it's always how it relates to us. If we, if we related to the world as it was, it wouldn't necessarily be relating unless we were to agree to the idea that we are identityless. Because if we are to truly relate to the world, as they say, it is what it is. So the world is what it is. If it's got no meaning, no built-in meaning, it just is what it is. It's what your feeling is about it. I see this, I keep, I keep looking at this tree that's popping up behind this building. I keep looking at it. And, and with my eyes, as I've been talking to you, I've been drawing like, 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 like a hand. Like it, it could be a glove. It could be a mitten. It could be a one, two, three fingered hand. It could be the hand of a dragon upside down. That could be the arms of a star coming up, you know, popping up like, hey. It's like three pointy things, pointy-ish kind of things. Those could be ears. Maybe that's the top of a gremlin head. It's popping its head up over that building. It's a huge gremlin. It's like, yeah. So it's funny. The world is what you're 
basically allowing it to be. What you're giving it permission to be. Isn't it interesting? It's what we're giving it permission to be. So if we're, if we're not giving ourselves permission to be and learn and explore and adventure and, and go off the leash, go sniffing around. Let your dog go sniffing. What happens when you let your dog go sniffing around out there? What if you had a camera on your dog and you could see where he was going? You had your app and plus you had your little, you know, homing system. Maybe that was, that, that'd be interesting, you know? I mean, yeah, they tell us not to walk dogs off, off leash, but let's say if you're out in an open area and, you know, there aren't any coyotes or bears and you just want your dog just to go off the leash and he just wants to follow his nose, let him follow his heart. Let her follow her senses, you know? Where's this, where's this olfactory sense taking me. Where does it seem, ooh, that's cool, ooh, what's that? That seems favorable. A little Oliver. He usually does this when he's hungry. So it's interesting. So we're relating to the world as we see ourselves. And depending on how we talk to ourselves, that's how we're going to talk to other people. Like poor Dave Uchansky around Kapow times. I'm frustrated with myself for not being able to, you know, handle the math and all the crazy stuff that's involved. And then I, unfortunately, that stuff, I take it out on Dave Uchansky. And he's the good guy and he handles it. And then I apologize profusely for it. Saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's, that, that was just... That was an aspect of me, not an aspect of me that I wanted to show. Not an aspect of me that... It's interesting. It's like, which aspects of ourselves are we going to allow? Which reflections of ourselves are we going to allow out of the room full of mirrors? Which one's going to emerge from the room full of mirrors? Which one's going to emerge from the wardrobe? If you kind of look at it like that, like a wardrobe... You got this whole, instead of a closet full of clothes, you got this room full of mirrors. And you go in there and it's mirrors. And they're all reflecting off each other. How crazy is that? So you got the one mirror that's the, the short, stout one that makes you go, it makes you look really wide and short. Then you got the one that's like, and it's like, it's uh, wiggly. Then you got one that's zigzag, makes you look zigzag. Now imagine if all those are reflecting off each other. So the zigzag one is reflecting off the one that makes you look short, looks short and stout. Now what? And then that reflects off, and then you see that reflection within the mirror of the one that's kind of like, rip, 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 kind of uh, 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 wavy. All of a sudden, now what? And that one's reflected in the mirror that's more triangular <laughs> and concave. And that reflects in the one that's convex. Yikes. Yikester McFikester. That's a game of telephone right there, by the way. It's a side note. Keeps shape-shifting. The essence, a piece of it, rings true. Because there's a piece of it that is true. So it's interesting. Maybe through all these stories throughout the time, the, the piece of the tr- a piece of the truth, because it still is within the zeitgeist of that story, a piece of that is true. However, which piece of the actual true life thing that really actually happened goes with it? Which part of it? 
is the true part. The name of the person that it happened to, um, the the one the the story that happened from this perspective, the one that happened from that perspective, the one that happened from this bird's eye view, the one that happened from the worm's eye view, the one that happened through the bars of the crawl space, through the window, at the feet. You know, it's like, hmm, the one that was heard through the trunk of that car, the one that was seen through the GoPro camera that was uh, in the rear view mirror. I mean, God, there's so many. It's like, which one's the one? I guess that's why this is so important for us to make sure that we retain as much authenticity in the art that we're creating. So as much of its truth is still intact. It's true. It's true, 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 true. Sometimes you might hear from people, why didn't you do that? You did this wrong. Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you go this way? Why didn't you go that way instead? And you might find yourself going, well, I can't answer why I didn't do this or why I didn't do that. But I can answer you uh, why I did do what I did do. I followed my heart. This seemed was my. This seemed to be my instinct. Um, I got so deep in the forest that I maybe I renamed it and I and I, I misplaced the file or. Maybe I accidentally erased something or, or such a crazy thing. Everything truly is a choose-your-own-adventure, isn't it? Which parallel universe are we going to go with? Which one feels best? Which one, which one wins out <coughs> in the gambling mind? You know, the mind is gambling. Well, I'm gambling that if I choose this, then I avoid all those pratfalls. Well, what if it's not a gambling thing at all? What if it's, and we t- I talk about this all the time, and then you're like, oh my God, why are you talking about this again? What if it's not a gambling thing at all? If, if everything is what it is, and it's how we're def- choosing to define something, and if it's not a gambling thing, what is it? What's left? What do we replace it with? Instinct. Why? Why instinct? Why are you saying that? Well, that's what the universe is based on. The universe is based on the instinct. Plants are based on instinct. Cats are based on instinct. Yes, we can train them to do things, but then once they're out there, uh, there's an instinct that kind of takes over. Like the tigers that go crazy. You try to domesticate them, and then bam, it's instinct. Someone moves weird, or something does, someone does something, or it suddenly decides it's hungry. It wants that ham sandwich you're eating. Now it comes in and it gets it. It takes your head off along with it. And you raise that little cub, you know? You raise, raise that little baby. So... The universe is instinct. The universe is just what it is. It's so interesting. Moving towards the sun, drinking in the water, doing what it can with what it's got. Now, I, you know, that's interesting. I don't know if some of the consciousness is, is does the weed actually try to kill the plant? Is it actually, try, or does it not even know the other plant exists? Or it does, but it doesn't, it's not as mean as we might look at it. We go, oh, that's killing that, it's suffocating that. 
Are they in an, in an agreement? You gotta pull those weeds. Do they enter some sort of agreement that this is what's gonna happen? Is that other plant hoping that a human is gonna rescue it from the weed? Does the elk that's running from Nahina, does it hope that someone or something is going to stop, step in and save it? Does it hope, does it know that it's, it might die? Does it know why it's running? What thoughts are in its head? I hope it stops chasing me. How far away must I be from this thing before I stop running? Is it when I see it stop, when I see it stop running and I run another 40 feet? 100 feet, and then I feel safe again, then I'll go back to eating grass. Until I see it out of the corner of my eye again, then I'll start running again. Does it know? Is it, is it going, you know what, I want to live another day because of this. Because I want to spend more lazy days sleeping in the, in the sunbeams. Sleeping among the soft meadows. Smelling those... Snapdragons, letting my bee friends tickle my nose. Giving spots to my bird friends to hang out on my antlers. I wanna, I wanna live long enough so I give at least 15 more opportunities to birds. I want to give at least 15 more opportunities out to birds the ability and the invitation of landing on my antlers and hanging out there, having a deep discussion. Could you imagine the conversations that deers hear of all the, all the birds that land on their antlers? So imagine that, those kinds of instincts. Do they all talk the same languages? Can they all understand each other? When, a, when an elephant swoops its ears and it goes, wah, 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 and it sends that message across the jungle, just like a whale goes, and it goes, and it echoes underwater. Does the, the cats that are all out there in the jungle, can it understand what that elephant is saying, that secret code word, or no? Or is that part of the ability that's built within that elephant? They get, get their fight mechanisms, they get their flight mechanisms. This thing is eaten by this. Well, we're going to give it these mechanisms to defend itself. We're going to give it a fighting chance. And I think this is fair. You know, yeah, the turtle is slow, but I'm at least giving it a very hard shell for its predators to try to eat through. But those predators are going to need its specific meat as energy to survive in these specific ways. This turtle, so this, uh, the seagull... It, there's a specific vitamin or something within the meat of the turtle that enables its wings to grow the way as strong and tough as it does. Now, this thing eats that bird because the combinations of that of 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 this turtle it's eat, it eats and these fish that it eats that combination of all that together is what this animal needs to survive in order for its teeth to grow sharper. You know, it's so interesting. So. The instincts. What are the instincts? What are the intuitions? What are the intentions? Where are the in? When we, we do, when we die, it's so interesting. Like with suffixes, prefixes. My buddy Eric Kleinberg and I, 
and we are, uh, we are, we, we've always been enthralled with uh, synchronicities. Look at that, sync in, synchron, synchron, in, cron, synchronize, Cron, crona, cr- wait, cron, cron, isn't there a, wait, cron, cronus, cronus? Isn't there something that's that's for time, right? Cro- Let's see. Chronos. Hmm. K H R O N O S or C H R O N U S. Cronus. Sometimes I joke and I say my first name is Cornelius. Maybe this guy's last name is Cronus. Cornelius Cronus. Cornelius Cronus. <laughs> Cornelius Cronus. Oh my God! You heard it here first, folks. Oh my God! I will flip out if you if you know me on Instagram. If you if you listen to this and you follow me on Instagram, if you put Cornelius Cronus, C H R O N O S. Okay, so this is how you spell it: C O R N E L I U S. Cornelius Cronus, which is great because it ends with U S again. Us. C-H-R-O-N-U-S. I love it. Cornelius Cronus. Oh my God, that's great. If you write that in a in a comment on my Instagram, I will know for sure that you listen to this. Oh my God. Cronus. Oh my god, dude, you gotta be kidding me. Cornelius. Oh my god, I'm typing this in. Let's see. Cornelius Cronus. Oh my god, good. There's a Cornelius. Oh my god, there's a Corne- Cornelius Digital Management Solutions Elementary. Cornelius Elementary. Cornelius Digital Management Solutions. Cornelius NC, North Carolina. NC, Cronus. Mentoring software. Cornelius, Oregon. Okay. Oh my God. Here's another town of Cornelius. Oh my God. What? About us, Cronus. Wow. That's another technology place. Oh my God. This is nuts. Okay. 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 I'm going to see all the towns named Cornelius. Oh my god. Town of Cornelius. Wow. Imagine a character, Cornelius Cronus, who's named after the town. Isn't that funny? I was named after the town. 
And someone's like, oh, I grew up in Orke- in I grew up near Cornelius. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Cornelius, Oregon. Oh, that's great. And then another time, oh, I grew up near Cornelius. Oh, yeah, Cornelius, North Carolina. Wait, what? Oh, I grew up in uh, Cornelius. Oh, yeah, what? Uh... Oh, yeah, yeah, Cornelius, uh, wait, here's another one. Oh, yeah, North Carolina. Yeah, Cornel- Cornelius Today, that's the name of their newspaper, Cornelius Today. Oh, my God, incredible. Yeah, this says here, Cornelius, Oregon. Okay, it's North Carolina, Oregon. I want to see all the Corneliuses. Oh, God, that'd be great. Okay, how many towns named Cornelius? If you know the answer to this, how many towns named Cornelius? And how many towns named Cornelius? So at 48 minutes, 22 seconds, I'm going to play some more voicemails uh, left on here. And, uh, all right, does that sound good? Thank you guys so much for listening. By the way, if you want to leave a voicemail on here, if you're an Anchor user, find me on here, Inspirato Projecto. You can also call in to the hotline, 561-203-9179-er. I'm sharing that phone number with Wise Finger Lab, which, by the way, if you get a chance, if you like different, like, skateboards and just crazy, interesting, independent-designed, um stuff interesting art go to wisefingerlab.threadless.com uh also so yeah call the hotline 561-203-9179 you can also email me audio and i'll play down here inspiratoprojecto at gmail.com i would love it all right let's see who's next this is robert from twin peaks and you're listening to Inspirado Projecto. Got a light? <laughs>